welcome to Long Hill Chapel Online. Thanks for checking out our podcast where you can listen to our latest sermons filled with teaching, encouragement, and hope from God's Word. So whether you're in the car, on the couch, or just poured some coffee, let's dive into today's message. Good morning, Long Hill Chapel. Happy Thanksgiving Day weekend. My name is Joey Monteleone. I'm the worship coordinator here at church, and I am excited to be able to share with you this morning as we kick off a new series called Unlikely, God's Power Through the Christmas Story. And usually when we come to this time of the year where we talk about Jesus's arrival, we think about joy to the world and peace on earth and silent nights and adding more chocolate to our diets. But The Christmas story is actually a strange paradox where there is this invitation to behold God's power in the most unlikely places, using things that we wouldn't think of to display his might, his power, his character, and even his love. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at four different ways that God puts his power on display. Now, my wife and I have three children, one on the way, due early next year. And throughout our parenting journey, I have noticed something that every child goes through around ages two or three, the question phase. My son is in it now, question after question after question. And it's not just questions, it's a trail of queries. For example, what's that? It's a microphone. What's it do? It amplifies sound. Why does it need to amplify sound? So people can hear it. Why do people need to hear it? It's like, dude, you've been here for three years. You should know some stuff by now. And it happens a lot and and with many different things. But one of the things that I've noticed as the continuation of the questions come, I've realized something. When my kids ask me questions, the opportunity before me is not just to answer the question. What I get to do when I answer them is to unveil and share more of myself. I can reveal some of my values, some of my history, some of my fears, and even some of my love for them as I answer these questions because they're seeking information. The unknown now becomes an opportunity. But if I squashed that, if I told them never ask me any information, figure it out yourself, or worse, if I told them that to ask me a question is to doubt my knowledge, I would never develop the relationship that I want to have with them. And so questions are crucial for a three-year-old, but they're also crucial for Christians. And there's a few questions we're going to look at today as we kick off this unlikely series. And before we dive into it, let's open in a word of prayer. God, would you open our eyes to great and marvelous things inside your word as we seek your face? Would you unveil more of yourself and more of your power? In your name we pray, amen. So if you're anything like me, there have been times throughout your life and your spiritual journey where you've had some questions, where you've said, uh, God... We have questions and it's normal. I mean, have you heard some of the bullet points of Christianity that resurrection from the dead is possible, that seas split open and that a talking snake had a hand to play in our spiritual demise? If you've never had questions from that, that's pretty impressive. And the questions are multifaceted. Maybe there are questions about theology and understanding the nature of God. Maybe you have questions about doctrine and how it applies to our modern day culture. 
Maybe you have questions around the supernatural and the, and the world beyond this earth. I think if we're honest, we all have questions. You see, the problem is not that we have the questions, but that there's a stigma around having them, that almost an embarrassment around having questions. And I think that stigma is two-sided. There's an internal stigma and there's an external stigma. The internal stigma is one of pride, where we as humans want to present ourselves as having knowledge and being educated and wise, and so we don't ask questions to avoid embarrassment, shame, and humiliation. That's the internal stigma. But connected to the internal stigma is the external stigma. The external stigma connects and stems from people and institutions who told you that there was something wrong with you for asking the questions. Maybe it was a teacher who embarrassed you for raising your hand. Maybe it was a parent who made you feel worthless for having a simple query and made a joke at your expense. Maybe even it was the church who told you that your questions revealed a weak faith. And if you resonate with any of those experiences, I, first of all, it's not your fault. It's not true. And I want to break some chains right now with this sentence. Anything that doesn't grow dies. Anything that doesn't grow dies, whether that's in a marriage or relationships, whether that's biology, your talent, human development, your mental agility, even spirituality. If it's not growing, it will die. And the way that we grow in this life is by gaining new information and then applying it to our lives. And when we don't know the answers to things, when things are confusing or when there's new information given to us, we must ask questions. And it's this place of gaining new information that we find the character in scripture that we're going to be looking at today. We're in the book of Luke chapter one, and let's read verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Did you know that there are 31,102 verses in the Bible? It's a lot. Of those 31,102 verses, those are broken up into 1,189 chapters. And those chapters are comprised within 66 books. It's a lot of words. 
And we just read the only 12 verses recorded in all of Scripture about the interaction between an angel from heaven speaking to presumably a 13 to 16-year-old girl about how God would physically enter into the world. Of everything we have written down, there's only 12 verses that talk about what we can consider to be one of the greatest miracles in human history. That a young girl who was engaged to a man but never knew him intimately was visited by a spiritual entity and was revealed to her that not only would she have a son, not only is his name Jesus, but that this would take place without the typical means of procreation. And the reason that I'm harping on this is because this is not normal. And if we've grown up with this story, hearing it especially around this time of the year, we can grow numb and apathetic to the reality of what's happening. If I had heard these details in this short amount of verses for the first time as an adult and not as a child, I would have some concerns. And you know who else has some concerns? Mary. It says in verse 29 that she was greatly troubled and she wondered what kind of greeting this would be. I'm sure she's just going about her business. She's excited for her wedding and she has an encounter with an angel from God and she's troubled. And I think it's important for us to unpack because so often we too are just going about our lives when we hear words from God, maybe it's in a sermon, maybe it's in a worship song, a Bible study, or your personal devotions. Maybe we hear something from God outside of our normal context as we're going about our lives, and it's troubling. It's concerning. And we, like Mary, wonder what this is. Now, notice she's not condemned for feeling this way. This is a normal reaction. It is real. It is authentic. She's not trying to put on a brave face. She's not hiding her concern or fears. And notice how Gabriel responds to her. He says, fear not, Mary. Don't be afraid. And that's our first point this morning. Don't be afraid. And this is such a powerful moment for Mary, but it's one we are also invited into when we are troubled, when we're concerned, when we have questions. Don't be afraid. And I think this has two connotations. The first way we can take don't be afraid is don't be afraid of me because like I'm an angel. And we hear the word angel and we usually think humans with wings or babies or cherubs or, or something along those lines. But here's an artist who drew an angel based on the description within the pages of scripture. And it looks more like this. Yeah, I'd be afraid to. I would want some reassurance. And so don't be afraid of me. But the second way we could take fear not is don't be afraid of the situation. Don't be afraid of the way you feel. Don't be afraid of the hesitation you have, even the troubling experience that you're experiencing right now. Don't be afraid. And the reason I think God invites us to not be afraid of the way that we feel sometimes when we encounter him is because we serve a God who is intimately acquainted with how we're designed. It says in Psalm 103, 14, he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. 
God knows your emotions. He knows your fears. He knows your concerns. And he still says, fear not. Don't be afraid of the situation. Don't be afraid of your humanity in this moment. Fear not. And the beautiful reason he says to fear not is so that Gabriel can continue with the message. He can't reveal what's going to happen next if Mary is paralyzed by fear. And it's the same with us too. God can't unfold what he wants to do in our lives and what he wants to use us for if we're paralyzed by fear at the encounter. And so the first step when we're troubled, when we're concerned, or when we have questions at what God is doing is to fear not. The story continues. Verse 31, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? How many of you have heard the phrase growing up, don't ask questions, just do what you're told? I have. Many parents use this sentence when they don't have time or they don't have desire to explain to children what's going on. It's normal. In my opinion, it's dangerous. It's dangerous to say that to a young mind because it destroys wonder. It suppresses creativity. It might solve a momentary problem, but it potentially has lasting implications, not just with authority, but with faith. And some of us have this approach when it comes to our faith, to not ask questions, to just blindly accept what we're presented with, no questions asked. But note, that is not what Mary does. She asks for more information, more clarity, or on the news that she just received. She is asking questions. It's our second point. She's asking questions. It's not that she's doubting, she's questioning. And there's a distinction we need to make between questioning and doubting. Some of you hear the word doubt and you instantly put it in the paradigm of faith and doubt. That faith is the opposite of doubt. It's not. The opposite of faith is sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we live by faith, not by sight. Hebrews 1.11 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We can't prove our faith. We can't see it. We can't touch it. It's not a formula we can defend. But when we think we have it all figured out, that it can be quantified and there is nothing we don't know and there's no room for the unknown, that's sight. You see, faith by its very nature, by its very definition, invites mystery. And that might be unsettling, but as unsettling as that is, it's also incredibly comforting because when you don't know something or there's a mystery in front of you, all you have to do is ask questions to gain more insight. Now imagine for a second that Mary didn't follow up with her question. Imagine if she just replied to the angel, okay, sounds good, see you in nine months. Do you think her questions would have disappeared? Of course not. You see, questions don't disappear just because we don't ask them. 
They still roll around in your brain, keeping you up in the wee hours of the morning. And so to deny their presence in our minds only reveals that pride and internal stigma of thinking that we have it all figured out when we actually don't. But there's a beautiful release when we verbalize our concerns. And when we engage in questions with God, when we ask him about our concerns, it actually removes the weight of those concerns from us and it places it onto him. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast your cares on him for he cares for you. So cast your concerns, cast your doubts, cast your questions on him because he can handle it. Now, Mary says, how is this going to happen? There, you know, there are some logistical issues that we have before us if your grand revelation is going to occur. And notice how Gabriel doesn't respond to her. He doesn't condemn her for stating her concern. He doesn't call her faith weak. He doesn't tell her to figure it out and just trust God, hashtag blessed. He doesn't say, I'll be praying for you. He doesn't do any of the things we typically do. What does he do? He unveils the plan and he reveals God's power. Look at verse 35. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Here, Gabriel answers Mary's questions of how all of this is going to come about. And he says, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Essentially, what he's saying is, God will fill you and be with you. He's revealing God's power. Look at the power displayed in this interaction. There is first power over the supernatural realm with an angel delivering a message. There's power to declare a cancellation of fear when he says, fear not. There's power with a prophecy that will come in the future. There is power over science and nature that a virgin would give birth. There is power to receive questions from a created being. And there's power to answer those questions that God's presence would protect and fill her. You see, God always responds when questions are asked of him, but the way he responds isn't always direct replies. Usually, it's with a revelation of who he is and his power. Moses at the burning bush asks God who he should tell the Israelites has sent him, and he says, I am that I am, revealing God's ultimate name and his authority. Abraham asks God about sparing an entire nation, and God reveals his power by showing mercy. David asks God ten direct questions, and he reveals his knowledge of the situation, displaying his power. You see, time and time again, we find in Scripture encounters with God that are confusing, that are question-causing, and they induce concerns from us. But instead of running from these feelings, we see men and women draw closer to God by not being afraid and embracing the unknown. But when they do that, we see a God who answers by reminding us that he is with us and he is over the situation. There's a lot of things I'm concerned about in my life. I don't understand the political spectrum. I don't know what the stock market is going to do. And I have great concerns about the world that I'm handing to my kids. 
And when I bring these concerns and these questions to God, he usually answers me, not by telling me everything's going to be okay, not by telling me who the next president is, or by telling me the future of my children, but he answers me by revealing his power and himself, which puts my concerns and questions into perspective. It's not that they don't matter. It's that he's showing me that he's greater. But here's the thing we have to grasp. It was true for Mary and it's true for us. We don't see the power unless we ask the question. We don't see the power unless we ask the question. Mary will remain ignorant to the work of God and his plan of salvation through her and for her until she says, I don't get it. Explain it to me. It doesn't happen. And church, I believe there is so much we miss out on from God when understanding his power, his character, and his nature, and his working in our lives when we pridefully assume that we have it all figured out, when we don't pursue him more, when we don't ask for the follow-up, and when we don't engage in wonder. It doesn't happen if we have it all figured out. It doesn't happen if we're afraid, and it doesn't happen if we don't ask the question. Now, I want to be clear on something as we close. There have been plenty of questions in my life that I've asked of God, and I haven't gotten an answer. I don't know why evil persists. I don't know why we miscarried a few years back. I don't know why God allows suffering in this world. I don't know. The reality is that you won't always get an answer. But what you do always get is an invitation. How does Mary end her encounter in verse 38? I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Maybe Mary asked more questions than what's recorded. Maybe she didn't. But how she chose to end her conversation was, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. She makes a decision in the direction of trust. You see, questions always lead you to a destination. And the destination is one of two places. It's either cynicism or trust. Asking questions can lead you to a place of skepticism where you're cautious of authority and leadership and those around you. And it brings you to a destination of mistrust and suspicion. Or questions can lead you to a greater dependence on the one who knows the answers because he reveals his power over the questions. He reveals his knowledge of you, of the difficulty you're facing, of the insecurity you feel, but it always leads you somewhere. And the way that you determine whether it's cynicism or trust is through this posture. I am the Lord's servant. I am in your hands. You are God in this situation. I reveal that I'm weak, I'm confused, I'm concerned, I've got questions. I bring them to you, and what you do with them next is on you. Whether you reveal your power or you remain silent, but either way, I'm yours. I'm in your hands, and I surrender control. Because I choose to engage with you at the level of my questions, because through those questions, I begin to understand you more, I begin to trust you more, and I begin to see you more. 
It is strange that God, instead of revealing his power through this grand revelation of authority, God uses this unlikely method, questions. And we're invited not to be afraid of them, to bring our humanity to him, and through that he gives us more of himself. As we close, what are some questions that you have for God? What are the questions that you haven't been bold enough to ask? What are some areas in your life that you need to fear not, to step into deeper relationship with God by asking some questions? Because as we said, he can handle it. He can take it. He always reveals more of himself for those who are seeking his face. Let's close in prayer. God, we thank you for revealing yourself through what we don't know or comprehend. We ask that we would be a people that seek you in our difficulty, in our questions. And as we do so, would you continue being who you are, a God who delights in revealing more of yourself? We pray this in your powerful name. Amen. Thanks for listening today. To connect with us further, you can visit our website at lhcnj.net. We're on social media at LHCNJ, and we'll be back next week with another sermon. Until then, have a great week and God bless.